This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. These past few weeks, we've been learning ways in which we can enjoy a deeper relationship with our Lord. We've discussed deeper joy, greater desires, and brighter hope for an eternal home. Today, we're going to continue our study of 1 John with our message entitled, A Deeper Love. What would you say are the marks of the Christian life? We're going to take a look at one of those marks in our message for today as we continue our sermon series entitled Deeper. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, your love is amazing. While we were still sinners, you gave your Son to die for us on the cross and raised him up again so that we might have a restored relationship with you. Thank you for your love. Amen. three readings for today from the first letter of John. First uh, readings, chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. Whoever says, I'm in the light, while hating a brother or sister is still in the darkness. 
Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and in such a person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go because the darkness has brought on blindness. Second reading, chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Finally, John 4, beginning at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. How deep the Father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon a cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed i hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held Christ is death.
Dear friends, I read a devotion quite a while back that began like this. Today I was arrested as I drove in city traffic. No, I wasn't stopped by an officer and I didn't pay a fine, but I was arrested nevertheless. It was the evening rush hour. I was alone. I had absentmindedly left the radio on and I wasn't really listening to it when the summons came. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I had to answer even if there was nobody there. Who, me? What do you mean by evidence? John's letter that we've been studying together for the past few weeks answers that question about evidence. This old pastor who had walked with Jesus points us to three important pieces of evidence uh, of the real Christian life in his letter. He says there are three tests that are marks of being a real Christian. There's the doctrinal test. What you believe about Jesus Christ. Must We must have that one down. That he's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. There's the ethical test. How you behave, conduct yourself, is important. A real Christian walks the talk and exercises kingdom of God values, strives to have integrity and honesty and works with a uh, attitude of service and is focused on God, playing for an audience of one. Finally, there's the relational test, how we treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. In today's passage, we find John showing some concern about relational problems in the congregation that he's writing to. There appears to be some serious relational issues in that church. Bickering and fighting and division and even hatred being expressed in word and action. We don't know the details behind this, but it appears to have begun as a a doctrinal issue. And as so often happens, this dispute led to other things. A real church fight, power struggles, factionalism. Unfortunately, we still will find that in the Church of Jesus Christ today. Congregational members uh, fighting over differences in politics and views on social issues, personal issues with one another, and territorial power issues, and doctrinal issues as well. I've seen some of these power struggles where people refuse to talk to one another anymore, and people leave the church angry and hurt. And sometimes the church even ends up splitting. It's tragic because it destroys congregations and ruins their uh, witness for Christ to the world. It's a terrible, terrible image for the church to have when they become known for their fighting. We're called to shine as a light to the world and attract others to the gospel to be a living display of God's original intention for humankind. So when Christians fight with one another, it deters others from listening seriously to our gospel as they observe the way that we relate to one another. And it not only hurts the church, it hurts us. It hurts our souls. It hurts our brothers and sisters in the faith community. Our faith is damaged and stunted. 
John Ortberg uh, wrote a little thing a few years ago describing the issue. He says, Bob is a leader in the Christian community. Everyone admires his impressive command of scripture. He views himself as a defender of truth and regularly opposes those who disagree with his doctrinal positions. In truth, he doesn't just oppose them, he delights in opposing them. He attacks them. He ridicules their positions and maligns their motives. When he listens to sermons, it's not to encounter God, but to point out flaws. Bob's regarded as a spiritual giant, but he doesn't know how to love. There's Helen. She's a veteran Christian, a founding member of her church, and one of the most feared persons in it. People tiptoe around her, skillfully avoiding her critical words. These days, she's especially critical of the changes that are opening her church to new people, and she has little tolerance for those outside the church, people who don't look, think, act, dress, or vote like she does. She's seen as a mature believer, but she doesn't know love. It matters how we treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's John's first point today. And Pastor John says in his letter, Real followers of Jesus Christ operate under the principle of love as they relate to one another. And that's the main idea of today's reading, is that Christians love one another. John did not concoct this in his own mind. This is something that Jesus taught him along the way. Remember that upper room talk Jesus gave to his disciples that we find in John's gospel? One of the things he really emphasized was this commandment. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. By this, all will know that you're my disciples. And Jesus said it twice, as if to emphasize it. He is talking, when he talks about loving one another, about a deeper love than we might think. This word is used rather loosely in our world today. We love baseball and apple pie, but that's not what Jesus had in mind. Perhaps you know there are three Greek words for love in the Bible that have very different meanings. There's the word eros, from which we get the word erotic. It's a feeling sort of thing that we have. There's philia, which means friendship type of love. And then there's agape, Agape love, that's the word Jesus and the Apostle John are using. It's a love which gives self away for the good of others. Here's what it looks like. First of all, it's an action. It's not something that you feel. It's something that you do. It's not something that you talk about. It's a verb. It's meant to be active. John talks in his passage today of how can we say we love if we see brothers that are having shortages of food and goods and not respond to them? We look beyond ourselves and share. We take action to help one another. It's sacrificial. John says it looks like Jesus dying on a cross as he paid for our sins. He sacrificed his life for our sakes. It's also an act of the will. It's intentional. John is calling us to make a decision, to uh, listen to this commandment and act upon it. And it's unconditional. 
You will love even those with whom you differ on all sorts of matters. Remember, while we were still sinners, Jesus gave his life for us. An example comes to mind, a love story in my own congregation. We have an elderly woman. Her name is Jan, and her husband has passed away. Before he passed away, he had dementia, so he was moved into another facility, and Jan could not care for herself. Jan was in a little Bible study group, and that group was a woman named Nancy. Uh, Not related to Jan in any way except a sister in Christ. Nancy stepped forward and took it upon herself to start taking care of Jan, uh, taking her to doctor appointments, uh, um, taking care of her finances for her, uh, helping her to move. And the group jumped in and started to help. Now they're taking really good care of Jan. She's not the easiest person to take care of either. It's not a convenient thing. She lives quite a ways from the church now in the new housing, but they give her a ride to church every weekend. I think that's what John had in mind as he said, love one another. And why love? John gives us the motivation for this. He says, God is love. His very essence and nature is love. All his other Attributes, his wisdom, his justice, his mercy and goodness ultimately express love. And trusting in Jesus Christ, we're citizens of his kingdom. So, of course, we're going to strive to be like Jesus as citizens, as children of our Father. By the way, Being born of God through Jesus Christ, John points out to us, we actually have the ability to exercise this kind of love as the Holy Spirit works in us and empowers us to love. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We are never going to do it perfectly because we continue to have the old self rearing its ugly, egotistical head within us, but we are given a helper to live this life of loving one another. We do it out of gratitude, don't we? That's what John says. We we love because he first loved us. We want to live a life of response that expresses our love for Christ, to please him. And so we love because he first loved us. We love because it's an act of faith, of trust. As we actively and obediently love sacrificially and unconditionally those around us, we are expressing that we truly do believe that Jesus knows what makes life work best. As he taught us to love one another, even when it looks odd to those around us and it seems very hard and demanding and doesn't feel comfortable or convenient. As we do this, we're expressing our trust in the one who knows what makes life work. You trust him. And you express that by doing what he says, putting it to work. Finally, 
we love because it bears fruit that honors Christ. John, in his writing today, said his love is perfected or completed in us. Leith Anderson, wonderful pastor, preacher, writer, says this, One of the most profound mysteries of Christianity is the invisibility of God and how we can know he's real even if we cannot see him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 explains that no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. People can't see God, but they can see the love of God in us when we behave just like God. This doesn't come naturally as when we love the lovable, but supernaturally when we love the unlovable. It somehow completes the love of God in us. It shows us the God that we could not otherwise see and proves that the love of God in us is real. Loving others confirms our Christian faith in a tangible way. It bears fruit that honors him as others see us loving one another. Way back in the early days of Christianity, about 150 A.D., there was a fellow named Lucian who was an unbelieving Greek writer who marveled at the church even though he didn't believe yet in Christ. He wrote to someone these words. It is incredible to see the fervor with which the people of that Christian religion help each other in their wants. They spare nothing. Their first legislator, Jesus, has put it into their heads that they are brethren. I found another statement from history as someone marveled observing Christians in the church they say, see how they love one another. That's what Jesus wants people in this world that are outside of our faith to be able to say as they observe us following him. This is incredible. See how they love one another. See how they love one another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, and I hope you are my brother and sister as you're listening today, we have a very important calling before us from Jesus Christ. There is a world around us that needs to know his love. And Christ is counting on us to be his hands and his feet and and his voice, and his body, and his witness to these people that they might know Christ in his love. He's counting on us then to love one another. It matters how we treat each other in the church. He says, love one another as I've loved you. By this all people will know you're my disciples. Put yourself on the shelf. 
and make a commitment to actively and intentionally love your brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what. Amen. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Join me in this short prayer. God our Father, hear this prayer. Make us one in loving you and one another. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might love as you've loved us. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the Christian Crusaders Internet and Radio Ministry. We pray our message has encouraged you to make a commitment to actively and intentionally be God's hands and feet, His voice and witness to others so they might know Christ and His love. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit listener supported ministry devoted to serving the spiritual needs of our listening audience with the life changing message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If this mission is one that is also close to your heart, we ask for your financial and prayerful support so the program may continue for many years to come. Our mailing address is Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or feel free to contact us by email at cc.naz.org. We can also be found on the Internet at christiancrusaders.org and on Facebook. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of today's inspirational message or a message from a previous week, we invite you to check us out on the Internet. Our website address is ChristianCrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. We are happy you chose to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting the service was our speaker, Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders is now in its 82nd year of continuous 
Sunday Worship Broadcasting.